Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs. Today in the studio I've got John Hooper's I nearly said John Hooper Sr. John Hooper Jr. with me. John, hi, how are you? Carrie, very well, thanks. It's uh, good to be here with you. and uh, Thank thank you you very much for making the time. It was sort of squeezed in and it's happily, I think. Well, not so happily because I love my my podcasts, but I think it's my last podcast of the year, really. So we're going to make this a, a Christmas edition of podcast. Fantastic. The reason I I wanted to speak to you, Mm. let me tell everybody that John, guide me if I'm blowing your trumpet too loudly, but John is, I think you're running Edward Snell and Co. at this stage of the game, or would your father kill me if you heard me saying that? No, no, I'm definitely out of the Edward Snell picture. (laughs) I thought you were um, like the heir apparent. (laughs) No, no. My my cousin uh, Ian is the the current chairman, and um, a lady by the name of Corin Vessels has taken over the managing directorship. First How time. How did the Hoopers succumb to that liberalism? How did you succumb to that feministic, that feminist stuff and put a lady in power, John? How did that happen? No, look. Well, first of all, I won't say it wasn't my choice, but she definitely <laughs> was the right person for the job. So uh, I know she's so from that perspective, you know, it was fair and square. You know, just like uh, like any appointment should be. Really, at the end of the day, it should be based on merit, and uh, she was the right person. She was. So, I'm just going to tell everybody that John is just like the rest of the Hoopers. He's incredibly retiring and modest and humble but I think I'm correct in saying that Edward Snell and company is the oldest or longest standing liquor company in the country and I think you told me the other day that you're about to celebrate your 170th anniversary or something like that is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, they um, all the employees, uh, three hundred plus, uh, flew up to Johannesburg to celebrate one hundred and seventy-five years of Edward Stone Company. Yes, the oldest uh, and the largest um, family-owned uh, liquor company in South Africa. So, uh, yeah, a, a milestone, Kerry, for sure. It's amazing. So, congratulations for that. And I think yes. you must be what fourth. Generation, fifth generation, fifth, fifth generation. Fifth generation. Yeah. That is that is amazing. So, so Edward Snell was clearly a young boy who came out from England, I would imagine. From England, yes. Um, in eighteen something or other, and he, was, he he just became a trader, really, didn't he? Was it specifically alcohol in those days, or was he trading anything that happened with the ships that were coming past, well, backwards and forwards? Hmm. No, remarkably, he was on a. Edward Snell uh, was on a ship from England through to Argentina, and that ship got blown off course and uh, and limped into Cape Town, and uh, and from there he then moved up the coast to Port Natal, where you know, they started a import export business, trading in all goods, and um, and then um, my great grandfather. Vernon Edward Hooper then married 
Edward Snell's niece, and that's how the Hoopers became involved at Edward Snell and It Company. was quite a lucky marriage, that. And well, that you always yeah, wish that your grandfather married somebody wealthy <laughs> or clever yeah, uh, well, or inordinately I mean, important, but you were just yeah, one of the lucky <laughs> So she married him. And then? And yes, I suppose and then uh, the rest is history to a degree. I mean, you know, the uh, the Hoopers have been sort of um, in, in control of Edward Stone and Company since then as a family. And yeah, over time, it definitely um, evolved into a, a wine and obviously more sort of spirits business, which it is today, you know, and uh, trading in you know, their own brands, um, brands such as you know, First Watch, Whiskey, Russian Bear Vodka, Stretton's Gin, and then a number of international principal brands as well. You know. So uh, it's, you can, you know, it's turned out to be a, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of the, the, the biggest... It's an amazing business. Just say it. Should we brag? Let's just brag. It's an amazing business. And your family is inordinately really additive no, to the no, South African liquor no, trade. It's, it's really very, very no. special. No, so, sure. in addition to that, your mother became a winemaker. How yes. did that happen? Yeah, so look, as, um, as time went on, uh, we were, well, uh, Edward Snell and Company was always based in Natal, you know, so it started in 1848 and sort of was, had always had its roots in, in, in KZN and uh, and then uh, over time, you know, just the, the head office moved down to Cape Town. At the time, though, I was, I was farming myself in the Slunghook Valley, um, you know, working as a farm manager on a fruit and wine farm. And uh, my folks decided instead of buying a house in Constantia or somewhere in Cape Town, uh, mm. bought a farm instead, you know, and 30-odd Was it that ago, recent? No? I didn't, I didn't realise that it was that recent that mum and dad had moved from Durban to, to Cape Town. Yeah, I know, it is. It's a, it's a new thing, definitely gen, from a generation perspective. You know, it's, it's uh, after generations of living in Natal um, and doing business out of Natal, you know, the, the whole family uh, moved down here, including sort of cousins and, and everybody. So... Quite a move, um, but I mean, I think a worthwhile move and obviously a necessary move. Uh, business was definitely more so centered around this part of the world. Um, and uh, from so, is there not a single hooper left in in Natal? Oh, there are, there are definitely some cousins living there, and and uh, but um, yeah, look, in fact, now you say that, you know, I mean, all the the male hoopers have actually moved on to Cape Town. Uh, a couple of cousins who you are know, sort of girls living in, in Durban. You're making it sound uh, like the Naidu family or something. <laughs> All the cousins in the till. <laughs> well, you know, it's sort of lovely. Okay, so the there's, there's an even distribution of Naidus in Natal in the Cape. <laughs> and are they all <laughs> employed in, in East Nelland Company? <laughs> yeah, so look, that was. Now the, you're um, giggling and you can't stop. You can have some water or something if you want. <laughs> <laughs> So, Carrie, yeah. So, look, I mean, as it turned out, you know, we, we ended up, um, you know, the folks ended up buying a farm, you know, and um, uh, long story short is that, you know, my, my mother uh, started making wine. Um, and uh, at the time, I had left um, Edward Snell Company to 
to then sort of go into sort of a post-grad uh, marketing uh, diploma, which I did at Red and Yellow, and I ended up um, uh, well, planning to then go overseas, in fact, you know, to work for some of our principals overseas um, mm. was part of the plan with an idea to return to, uh, to working at Edward Snell & Company in a, in a marketing position. Um, anyway, life was full of twists and turns, and as it turned out, you know, I, I didn't end up going overseas because of the economic crash in 2008-2009. And as a result, I ended up um, starting this wine business. Now, we had the farm already, and my mother was making wine, and some very good wine, I should say, you know. And the Mount Vernon label um, sort of is our sort of premium sort of top Is that what the farm range. is called, Mount Vernon? It is, yes, 100%. You know, now all the hoopers, the male hoopers, that is, have the, the name Vernon in the middle there somewhere. Mm. So... My dad is Dave Vernon, I'm John Vernon, and my son is Harrison Vernon. So okay. sort of is where the name sort of came about. And, um, and so, um, yeah, we, so my mother, sort of go back to that point, yes, my mother was uh, making some good wines and, you know, it was basically a, sort of a process just developing over time, you know, and, um, and uh, and you know, so here we are today. I mean, you know, Mount Vernon still remains our flagship range, and you know, we're uh, proud of that fact as well. Well, the reason I'm prodding and prying and carrying on about Mount Vernon is that's really why I phoned you in the first place. Because right. I went down to Cape Town a few weeks ago to chair the judging panel for um, the Melbeck challenge that Celia Gilloway runs for... Celia's events and you know Celia's run these competitions for many years she does such a good job for the wine industry and we I help her um, wherever I can in fact we all do uh, just because she's very meaningful and she's good for the industry but she has tried to put these um, tastings hasn't tried she's done it successfully put tastings together for sometimes unknown cultivars or smaller groups of producers or anybody can enter Celia's competitions. It costs very mm -hmm. little. She doesn't charge. I don't charge to judge. It's one of those things that we do out of love for the industry, really. Um, and it was blind and it was such a fun tasting. It was myself and the dreaded Norma Ratcliffe and the indomitable um, Christine Rudman. Yes. So it was like, it was a sort of like a set of steel magnolias or what are those old ladies called the Golden Girls? <laughs> it was really, <laughs> it was really fun. And it was just so nice to be tasting with old, dear old friends of mine. We've worked together in the industry for a long time. And it was just like slipping into a pair of comfy slippers, you know. It, Malbec is a difficult, it's a difficult category in South Africa because there's not that many Malbecs around. And it's not yeah. a particularly gorgeous grape on its own. You have to be quite smart to make Malbec look smart on its own. It's mm. fabulous in a Bordeaux blend, but it's not always yeah. so fabulous on its own. So, yeah. so it was quite a difficult tasting. And I think there were about 40 something entrants. 
And there were us three golden girls tasting, and we laughed a lot, but we did concentrate. And lo and behold, in this totally blind tasting, we came up with Mount Vernon. And it's not the first time that we've pulled Mount Vernon out of that lineup in the Melbourne Challenge. So yeah. I just got excited because I love it when people that I really respect and love make a little stamp in the market. And I just think that your family have been such troopers in the liquor industry. Nobody even knows who the hoopers are. You fly under the radar, you keep quiet, you're shy, you're retiring, you're gorgeous. Nobody ever jumps out and says, God, you know, ooh, shush, careful, chips, chips, here come the hoopers. Nobody's ever had to do that because you're just such, you're just, you're just a bunch of menches, as they would say in Yiddish, I suppose. <laughs> so Mount Vernon won the Malbec Challenge a few weeks ago. So I thought I'm going to phone. I thought, I thought I was going to try and phone your father, actually, but I've given up phoning your father. I think he's, I think he's away with the fairies and he's sort of, is he semi-retired or something? I don't know what David's doing. Yeah, uh, he's, uh, he's doing, uh, he, I think he's earned his stripes, you know, so uh, <laughs> he's definitely, he's um, out there yes. enjoying. He's still very active, though, very active, but he remains. Is he making uh, brandy and stuff? The last time I spoke to him, he was making brandy. Is he still doing that? No, no very much so. He's definitely he's the chairman there of the uh, Odomolan Distillery and, um, yeah, still championing sort of Cape brandy. Yes, as of course, a, that's, uh, one of your, that's one of your products, isn't it, Odomolan? That's right, yes, 100%. One of the best brandies in the country. It's gorgeous. It is, yeah. And there's two other ones to go with it as well, um, Joseph Barry and Ladysmith. And um, yeah, there's something to be said about that um, without detracting from the, the main point on, on the Malbec side. But, you know, there's something to be said about uh, brandy, I think, as a category. Um, they've been championing a thing called Cape Brandy, um, trying to give, call it Potstal Brandy, a... Uh, a geographic location in the world, oh, okay. as as sort of cognac is, I suppose. Yes. Um, South brandy, you know, internationally ticks all the right boxes, wins all the international competitions. But well, we make know, some of the best brandy in the world. I've always said it. We make absolutely delicious brandy. I know it is, and it's just it doesn't quite get the recognition it deserves, and. Uh, no. And I think long term, you know, it is a good South African product, you know, and I would say internationally, if I was going to be pushing a, a brand or a, a category overseas, you know, I would be definitely going the brandy route. I think it's definitely got a, uh, uh, it's got a, a sort of a toehold on the cliff there. Um, it's 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 geographically unique. It's got a great story behind it, and it's got a great quality element to it as well. So, from a marketing and sales perspective, you can really go out there and push something. And you know, brandy. Let's face it. I mean, you know, it's got. I mean, it's got character. It's got depth. It's got flavour. And it's also got mixability to it as well. You know, and you take well, that's what I was going to say. You know, Winnie Bowman. Is also another. She's another one of the golden girls. There's Winnie. There's me. There's right. Norma. There's Christine. There's a couple of us. But right. Winnie, as you know, is Mrs. Brandy South Africa, and she and I yes. can have huge fun with brandy. We love it. And South Africa yeah. is one of the few places on planet Earth where we mix our brandy 
with Coca-Cola or ginger ale or soda or ginger beer or whatever it is. You don't do mm. that anywhere else in the world. So they have to be so smart and they have to make something that's so refined and so beautiful because you can only drink it or you drink agua dente. There's, there's different forms and fashions of it, as we know, around the world. Sure. The Portuguese make some, the French make some. But yeah, our Spanish brandy food. is so blooming delicious, we shouldn't even be mixing it with anything. We should be drinking it on the rocks. Well, this is okay, Carrie. You know, hmm. I mean, the whole Cape Brandy sort of drive is sort of really up at the sort of that multi, malt whiskey type, you know, um, that, yeah, that whole malt whiskey sort of, you know, uh, story really at the end yes. of the day where it's sort of, it's, it's pot still, it's double distilled, you know, it's yeah. aged for a minimum of three years, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, uh, you know, when, when one looks at it. That like, Oda Molin 100-year reserve is one of the nicest brandies. The KWB will shoot me for saying that on YouTube, but it is. This is also nice, but yours is delicious. So Thanks, I digress. Your father makes fabulous or oversees the making of fabulous brandy, and I'm sure you'll do likewise going forward. Mm. The Malbec. So I don't think you can have lots and lots and lots of Malbec planted on that farm. Hey, Am I right? We don't. You're right. It's a good point. Um, it's something that we need to sort of look at focusing on because we definitely seem to be picking up a good trend here. In other words, you know, when one looks at sort of, you know, we won this competition a couple of years ago uh, with the 2015 vintage, and uh, and here we are a couple of years later, and uh, the 2021 vintage has again picked up the Malbec Challenge tro uh, sort of barrel, really, not yes. trophy, barrel, yeah. which was kindly sort of donated, uh, well, kindly offered as a donation as part of the winning prize. Yes. It's quite a nice prezi that to get a barrel, don't you think? Well, it is, you know, and if you think about it, you know, uh, it's uh, a barrel is expensive these days. You, you can know, use a barrel. From... You can't use that stupid trophy. Well, and your house must be filled with silverware. <laughs> yeah, look, we have a couple of trophies here and there. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, look, the thing is a barrel goes a long way. It, uh, a barrel costs a lot of money, anywhere from twelve to 15,000 rand. You know, and so it's 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 a lovely a lovely prize to win, and yes. um, and yeah, look, it forms a, an important part of the finished product. You know, so I think. So you know, if we were to if we were to tell everybody what that Malbec tastes like, what would we tell them? You know. If I could just take a step back there, Harry, because, you know, as you say, Malbec is a, um, it's not the easiest sort of varietal to, to work with. And, um, and if one sort of looks at, um, you know, there are only, like I said, maybe 40 producers who are really... Yeah, there's not really, a lot. Yeah. Um, Malbec, yeah, one of the old sort of French varietals resurrected itself in Argentina. The Argentinas have made a, no, a name for themselves. I and know. obviously this rifle works well in the Southern Hemisphere. You know, it's got, yeah. it, it, it works well with sunshine. And, uh, and here where we are, we've got a, a, sort of, you know, a small microclimate in this Klapmitz area, which is inducive to good red grape uh, growing, you know. And, um, are you on a mountain? So, 
We off the side of the Simonsburg, um, but are, you, in the are, are the vineyards area. quite high up? No, in fact, they're relatively low. But I'll tell you why. That's a good thing. You see, the thing is, what we find in this little microclimate in the Klapmuts area is, you know, it's uh, cold in the morning, uh, and then in the afternoons, uh, in the summer months, we get these uh, cooling breezes coming off from the coast all the way through to us. And usually it happens in the afternoon. So what I'm trying to say is there's a lovely evening, even ripening throughout the, uh, throughout the summer months. And, you know, like all good things, you know, uh, when, when, I always love relating to, to food and wine and what have you, you know. Cook something nice and slowly over a long period of time, it just tastes amazing. I know, know, low and slow is always nice, eh? Oh, it is. You know, it must fall off the bone, and it's just—it's rich, it's tasty, it's like everything you ever wanted. And and that's how we sort of—that's how our red wine grapes. That's how they—they they are. Are they rapid? Mm. Yeah, well, I always they, they, think they, of Malbec, and I think of dense, 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 deep, dark purple. It looks like it looks like it's been beaten up by somebody. It's black and blue. And it's gorgeous, it and it gives the color and intensity to a lot of those Bordeaux blends. And it's very dark and silky and smoky. It's a bit like a, it's a bit like a, I don't know, like an old, what should we say? I mean, you're not allowed to say anything anymore, but I, I in know, the olden days, I would have said it's sort of like a prostitute. It's like a <laughs> prostitute or maybe a pimp, I don't know. It's sultry, and it's sexy, and it's smooth, and it's, you know, it's a bit sort of, got like a dark side to it i think malbec well you know in in, in talking in the dark ages it was the wine <laughs> of kings and queens you know and uh, so it's got a history of sort of no, you know, no, there's uh, something decidedly sort of sultry and sexy and dark about malbec which is probably well, why we like it i mean i can imagine drinking malbec in havana or something and smoking cigars and talking to well, some look, gorgeous swarthy dark man. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's what know, Melbourne I mean, is. Now, to go back to your point, the thing is... <laughs> Try and get me off this track. <laughs> no, I'm trying to follow it up to say not everybody makes Melbourne that way, you know? No, but, uh, no, they don't. There's some distinct stuff. I think styles. we do, hey? I think we do, hey, Carrie, you, you know? do. Uh, you hoopers do do that. It's probably you know, why the Golden Girls fell in love with there's it. Some, there's some intrigue here, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's something with regards to, you know, when, when you're talking about red wine, you know, it, it's got to have some intrigue, you know, it's got to have depth, character, flavor, and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you've got to make the wine, it's got to have the full treatment, you know, in other words, good grapes, just to start off that point, good grapes yeah. make good wine, you know, like good ingredients to a, yeah. a dish, you know, just like, oh, so when we, when we talk about sort of Mount Vernon Malbec, it's had this lovely extended time in the vineyard, you know, sort of, you know, getting all these flavor and character into the grape, and then we bring it in, you know, and so... When you're looking at a Malbec like this, and it's been matured in French oak barrels anywhere from 18 to 24 months, you know, so you're getting, there's no expense spared, you know, we, we, we want to deliver the best of the best Malbecs in this country, and, yeah, I think Well, you we did. Are. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you absolutely so, yeah. did. It was gorgeous. So, for me, it was one of those sultry, 
sexy, mysterious, smoky, rich in black and blue fruit. It was, it's just everything that you want a Malbec to be. But as you quite rightly say, it's not necessarily the norm. There are about three or four different styles of Malbec that we picked up anyway. And mm. that's why um, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a question that we, well, not a question, it's a subject that we all in the wine industry debate endlessly about appellation control. Should there be appellation control in the Cape? And of course there should be. But I think it's happening organically. It's happening by itself because you clearly have just found a space that is really a good Malbec growing space because you make the best, well, you really did make the best Malbec in the yeah. country this year. Thanks, Kerry. So yeah. anybody who wants to go out, I'm, I'm trying to remember what vintage it was. Was it, was it a 2020? No, it was a 21. Was it a 21? So, yeah, I mean, the, the 2020 is what we're currently selling at the moment, but uh, the 21 will be sort of, well, if people want to place orders, if people would like it, we're happy to, to send it out to them, you know, but let me take down their details, and as soon as it's ready, you know, in other words, we put the label on, then we'll send it to them straight away. <laughs> You're not even put the label on yet. That's not good. No, we haven't. I mean, it's... it's uh, but you it better just, send me a bucket of it for Christmas, I think. Geez, can, can we buy another bucket? Uh, oh, you can. Absolutely. You know, it's a... Uh, it'll be a treat for that, you know, 100%. Uh, a wine with that, with sort of, you know, looking at licorice, like I said, black currant, ripe plum, you know, oh, all those lovely flavors, a bit of hint, a bit of dark chocolate. It's got everything, you know, so... And it's also really, got... It's also got for quite a young wine. I mean, it's it's got mm. Malbec has very robust tannins as a general yes. rule, but mm. they're such lovely, soft, ripe tannins that they don't they don't. You know, I've got a I've got a terrible inherent fear of smiling with those sort of red teeth that people get when they <laughs> work in the liquor trade. I'm so terrified of That's being that. I'm like. Yeah. hectic while I taste wine. I brush my teeth a million times during the tasting. I can't stand the look of a woman with black teeth. It's just ghastly. Yeah. But Malbec yeah. is not your best friend when you're tasting because it really is dark. But yeah. um, <laughs> it's dark, but the tannins were soft and smooth and ripe and delicious, and they didn't make our teeth black because we drank the rest of the bottle over lunch. <laughs> Great. It's really lovely. Congratulations. Yeah. Who actually made that wine, John? Are <laughs> you giggling? Yeah, well, look, Philip de Toy has been our viticulturalist for a good part of 25 years. And, um, yeah, we, we've had a – after my mother, she sort of stepped down as the primary winemaker and moved into a cellar master role. And in that time, we had a couple of other winemakers that didn't sort of quite cut the cheese. And so the Philip then picked up the reins and, you know, he understands the vines well, but – you know, yeah. he also understands winemaking well and, you know, has then sort of fitted into that role. So Philip made the 21 Vintage, which has really been a, a master class, you know. Um, the great thing about good wines like that is just that uh, the fruit and the, and the wood are well integrated and it just mm. delivers an exceptionally rich, you know, smooth, but, you, you know. You can almost I mean, eat a bottle of that Malbec for dinner. You don't even need any food. You know, everybody always says, what would you eat with it? Another bottle of Malbec, I think. That's what I would eat with it. <laughs> Just have both, have two bottles for dinner. It's delicious. It really, really, really is nice. 
on that note, what would what would you eat with it if I asked you? You know, it's 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 very much a wine I've found over the years to go well with uh, you know things like slightly wilder than beef. You know, so I mean, I know that the Malbec beef scenario has always been played out, but this particular one works well with more so towards sort of lamb, duck. I even enjoy venison with it as well, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, it's just, it, it just, it's got that slightly sort of wilder element that Cabernet doesn't have. And, and that's why the, the sort of the gaminess or that extra sort of, you know, flavor that you get in something like, you know, duck or, um, or, or lamb really sort of brings out the, the, the match well, you know. And, yes, uh, and or maybe an ostrich. I don't do ostrich. I've yes, got a thing maybe. about ostrich. I can remember but, when my, my English granny had tiny, skinny little legs. <laughs> as all those, well, not all. In fact, a lot of English people have fat ankles. But my granny had skinny little ankles. And when she got really, really old, they went purple. I don't know why. Wow. Granny's wow. ankles go purple. I think it's bad blood circulation. And it looks it's like an weird. ostrich. Ostrich meat is purple. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. It's purple, I mean, John. I'll, uh, I'll so it's like, it's like roasting I'm... granny's ankles. <laughs> you don't want to have grand's ankles for Sunday lunch. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yeah, sounds too, too, too good to be true. <laughs> sounds yeah. a bit well, sort of caveman-ish, yes, on it. <laughs> yeah, no, well. Uh, but I get it. Venison, guinea fowl, ostrich. Anything yeah, rabbit, yeah, maybe? I'd, Anything I'd say, wildish? Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, it definitely has its, its place there. Again, you know, lend itself towards, you know, some, um, you know, a lovely sort of roast or something along those lines. But mm. it's, it's, it's a wine that does sort of, it's a good food wine, you know, and uh, as much as actually this 21, as you said, was delicious on its own because when I heard that we'd won the, won the award or the prize, you know, I immediately ran into the warehouse and pinched Tasted the bottle it. out there and had a bottle straight away just to double check. And How delicious, isn't it? Well, gee, I flattened it straight away. So <laughs> I not even left the office, you know. So uh, it was lovely. So, yeah, I think, uh, but it's a lovely food wine and, um, and yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, um, I think, you know, it's very much an experience, you know. I, I always aim for... You know, when sort of delivering, especially the Mount Vernons, you know, I'm looking to, I want people to enjoy the brand and enjoy the experience with it, you know, and so the food and wine combo uh, is uh, always, if you think about it, you know, a great conversation with friends, a beautiful I was going to say, it's the, it's, it's the holy trinity, really, isn't it? It's food it is, yeah. and people and wine. That's, that's yeah. my holy trinity. It's a wonderful holy trinity, and it works a treat. So it's, now, how much are we paying in the trade for that? I haven't had a look, actually. How much do we pay? For about 300 rand a bottle, I think. Yeah. No, it it's is. It's just so reasonable for, a, for an award-winning wine like that. I know, hey. Do you think it's a bit too cheap? What do you think? Let's put the price up. <laughs> well, look, there are only a couple of hundred cases available, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> It well, is. leave it at 300 until you get to 100 cases and then put it up to 550. Yes, no, that's a good idea, Harry. Um, From a yeah, retailer. So, 
Definitely some. If, um, and then you can fight with Solly when he doesn't want to pay the increased price. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's going to be a tough battle. Leave it at three. Leave it at three hundred. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I might have to call you, Harry, maybe just to help him <laughs> yeah. Because I know he doesn't take any any SH1T from you. No, That's no, no. Nobody fights. Nobody boxes with Kramer. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> John, yeah. give your parents my very, very best and tell them congratulations on that wine and to you. But Thank I'm you, not going to let you go yet because I need to remind everybody that you have another little highway to fame of your own. I can remember years ago you came to see me at the shop. Yes. And you sort of so shy, and you came wheedling in there, and you said to me, no, you've got this wine that you wanted to show me. <laughs> and it was unbelievable red and white. Do you remember? So yes, for anybody who's watching this, and they don't know who John Hooper Jr. is, John Hooper Jr. is the daddy of unbelievable red and white. And it's just an unlabeled bottle. It's got like a long skinny strip down the thing that says unbelievable, I think. Doesn't it? That's right. Uncertified, unlabeled, unbelievable. Unbelievable value for money. Unbelievable. And I introduced that to a whole load of my customers and my friends. And I honestly think, how long ago was that, John? But we must have sold pallet loads of that stuff. 15 years. It's uh, Yeah, look. And the, pro- uh, the product is still being sold. My family now live down in the Midlands of Natal. Hmm. And I can tell you that Howick is definitely the retirement village of South Africa. Yes, correct. And I think that unbelievable red and white is most definitely the wine of choice in Howick. I think that. If you withdrew that product from pick and pay or spa or whatever, how it would have to be declared insolvent. <laughs> it's, it's the staple It systematically diet, props up the, the economy of Howick. Yeah. Look, no doubt. I mean, and I'm very grateful for those people. They are, uh, they are loyal uh, and yes. I am extremely uh, grateful for the support there. And, uh, yeah, that brand, That's amazing. Look, let's face it, uh, it's sort of, you know, we, we're trying to, we offer something, especially in this day and age, you know. It's tough times out there for all of us, you know. I know. And, uh, you know, we... Sam, I know the, the Hoopers must be battling up a storm at the moment, from what I can gather. The biggest tough. private liquor distribution are. company in the, in the country. It must be tough, John. Look, I'm on my own, hey, Carrie. I'm in the wine <laughs> business. And, uh, you know, I, uh, as much as, you know... Uh, I love Edward Snell and Company, and uh, it's a, a great sort of uh, family family asset. Um, you know, uh, Gravel Junction is my business, and uh, I'm, I do the wine side of things, and uh, locally and internationally. Mm. And uh, it's been a great journey. You know, Unbelievable has been my sort of staple diet and uh, been my bread and butter, really, I should say. And uh, you know, it, it does give us all, us regular South Africans, a good wine at a good price in a very unique unlabeled bottle, you know, and uh, and so, uh, yes, I think it uh, definitely ticks the box in that regard. And um, It's an amazing brand. Yeah, I think it's just something else out there, you know. Um, you, know what? you know why I like it? Because we all dream of, of leaving a legacy of sorts and hope that our children will maybe be impressed enough with us to follow us 
somewhere into this down this lane that we've you know walked yeah. and having said that it must be very difficult as a you to try and make a difference in an incredibly successful family how do you set yourself apart and say well great 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 grandpa did this and great great grandpa did that and and dad did this and I'm going to do what you've done a really really good job of it you've Gravel Junction is, an, is a success story and it brings wine to the people. Anybody can have a bottle of wine if they go and buy something from Gravel Junction. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. You're right. Your point is 100%. You know, it's a, uh, you know, there's always some big shoes to follow there. And, um, Huge. But, you know, wine... And you're nice. You've got to be nice and successful and clever. Oh, Carrie, It's all order. You know, you... Uh, yeah, you're making me blush, I tell you. You I mean, are I'm blushing. Blood. I don't want to say too much, but you are on camera and you are blushing and it's very sweet. <laughs> uh, you know, we, um, <laughs> we're just trying, trying to try our best <laughs> to get through this busy, you know, these tough times. And, um, you know, in saying that, hey, look, it's, um, it has, you know, I mean, the wine business has definitely been a challenge, that's for sure. Mm. And, um, yeah, it is. There, is. there is opportunity in it, I must admit, you know, but, uh, you know, one does need to have different brands at different sort of levels. And yeah. uh, some brands are, uh, are sort of the, the price fighters. They deliver the, like I said, the bread and butter. They, um, and then we have brands like Mount Vernon uh, that are investment brands for us. Long term, they have, I think, great possibilities. Um and obviously appeal to uh, a different market. And, um, and so, too, we've actually embarked in, on uh, in the spritz market as well, hey, Carrie, which has been fascinating. You know, um, you know, we recently, I say recently, five, six years ago, which is pretty short-term in the life of a brand. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we developed a brand called Andiamo, which is a imperative spritz. And... Um, Again, you know, just, you know, it's the, the spritz market in South Africa is really just taking off uh, globally. I think it has the potential to be quite big because of our, because of our climate. 100%. You know, it's refreshing, it's tasty, it looks sexy, you know. What are you making glass. it out of? Yeah, we use a white wine base. So white wine base, we import a number of uh, ingredients, uh, to make up the, the final recipe, and uh, and then we sort of we carbonate it in line, so it's got a sparkling element to it. And how and, are we um, serving it in a tin or in a bottle? Uh, in both, in fact. So it comes in a seven fifty ml bottle under the name of Andiamo, um, and then it comes in a two fifty ml can as well. But uh, you must send me some. I don't yes. know. Why I don't know about that. Yeah. Look, you know, it's. Uh, it's very much, you know, it's the drink of summer, and uh, you know, yeah. and we've had uh, great acceptance both locally and internationally. And uh, fantastic. You know, so, yeah, the reason I just highlighted is because you know I think the the wine industry is, I mean, this it's 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 a tough place. There's lots of competition, but there is there's opportunity out there, and uh, you know, so I remain quite positive, um, sort of buoyant about the space and. Um, yeah, and I think South African wine in general is, you know, still, it's definitely sort of making its mark internationally, you know. And, yeah. Uh, no, it's definitely, 
definitely becoming very, very sexy internationally, South African wine. Yeah, I think so. You know, it used to be sexy because it was cheap and it was sold in bulk and, you know, people would buy it and they would blend it in with some other. It's taken yeah. a long time for you boys to establish yourselves as proper players and proper contributors on an international yeah, scale. You know, Terry, um, you make such a relevant point there in that, you know, yeah, after Nelson Mandela, you know, South, African, South Africa sort of lost a little bit of its sort of sting as well, you know. And, yes. uh, and you know, if you think about it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a place at the end of Africa and it's got so much going for it, you know, it's got a, uh, and from a marketability perspective, you know, besides the, you know, just... At the moment, we're all in the dark, so we would do a whole lot better if we could be operating in the light. That would help. Oh, but man. we're still, <laughs> we're still just a little, a little place down on the sort of ice end of the world, quite frankly. Yeah. And we were a trading port, and we're still a trading station. And your pa yeah. your family know that better than most, and we still are. So we can still do agreements with the Middle East and Brazil and China and what have you, because we slap bang in the middle at the bottom and all the ships have to go past us. It's nice. Absolutely. So we will always be relevant, always. Yeah, I think there's a there's a marketing man's dream in that, you know, and uh, I think, look, South Africa definitely needs to sort of get its way out of this sort of like cheap and cheerful sort of yes. zone into – you know, the, the serious wine country that it could be, you know. And I think I we are, though, more. don't you? Well, we've got a long way to go to make sure that the, the, uh, the farmer gets his due, you know. I'll give you an 100%. example. I mean, New Zealand have come up on the scene 50 years ago. They're on every wine list around the world, and they're selling their wine at, call it 50 rand a litre, where we are. Because their of, government you know, gave them some help. Yeah, and they positioned themselves well, and they sort of they picked up on the Sauvignon Blancs and the Chardonnays, and they did a damn good job, you know. Yeah, they and focused. That they was did. all about laser focus, yeah. You know, and they, they, they pitched themselves well, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, it takes time to try and change people's minds, but, you know, I feel that South African wine can do that well, and I think yes. that's uh, because they do have a, a story to tell. they also got good quality wines, and we should be getting not – call it 15 or 20 rand a litre, which bring a lot more, and the South African wine farmer could actually eventually sort of like survive because he's literally out yeah, there with the bones of his bum, you know. And it looks like to the whole world, it looks like wine farming is Paradise. brilliant. The life of the privileged few. We no. know better than that, don't we? No, John, if I was to ask you, what's your, what's your death row meal? Ooh, that's and drink. What's your death row meal and drink? Death row meal and drink. Gee, that is that is a very good question. Uh, Carrie, you know, I I've always been a big fan of a. Uh, the first a thing that comes to mind. Don't start trying to get legs. fancy. The uh, first no, thing no, that no. comes to mind is what it would be. No, no, definitely. I mean, I. Uh, I, I definitely lean towards an oxtail. Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed that. You know. Uh, my mum used to make this amazing oxtail as a boy, and uh, oh, and you know whenever it's also I go, one of my favorites. I go fly fishing every year up in, in Drakensberg, my old sort of old, old buds, and so <laughs> you know, 
that is uh, a slow roast oxtail, I suppose, mm -hmm. and I would definitely wash it back with the something of like and Malbec. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I must have it. I could go for that. I could go for that. And if you're not doing business and overseeing the making of wine and getting rich and being famous, what do you do other than that? Yeah, Carrie, um, oh, I, I, I you do don't have to tell all there. if you don't want to. You can tell me no. fibs here if you want. No, 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 look. I mean, Make up a fantastic look, life that's not real. Look, I tell you what, I, I, I do love um, getting out there and doing a bit of exercise, but, uh, you know, if I had to really sort of pick it out, you know, I, I do love a, a couple of days in the bush, you know, and... Uh, Oh, do you? So, you know, nothing excites me more than sort of, I think the two most beautiful places in South Africa are here in the Cape and down in the Low Felt, you know, mm. and uh, a trip up there the is always a highlight of every sort of, of every sort of year or every sort of holiday. And um, yeah, we do, uh, I do quite a bit of work in the Kruger Park as well, you know. Um, do you? Yeah, we, uh, you know, one of our brands is, you know, we, called Rhino Tears and we've donated Oh, are you Rhino rand. Tears? Yeah, yeah. It, it's been... You know, that so it's, it's, way of, it's way of sort of you know, taking a, a childhood passion of just loving the bush and, and combining it with work and and you know, the two give me obviously a huge amount of pleasure but you know, the bush for me is a, uh, you know, a place where one can sort of switch off get away from I that know. cell phone and that email and just sort of lose yourself for a few days and I go know. for a walk, you know. So I love that. Yeah, so. I think it's one of the things that all of us in South Africa would miss the most if we, if we weren't here anymore. That bush for me is unbelievable. I love bird photography, so I can go and lose myself in the, in the bush for weeks on end and climb over an elephant on the way to a tin spot yeah. batters, you know. But sure. the bush sure. is gorgeous. I absolutely love it too. Very, very hot at the moment. I was there in February this year last, and it was so hot and so dry. We need yeah. water. We need all kinds of things. Do you know what, John? You are just gorgeous. Your mother and father must be so proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love the fact that we've got new generation people in the industry like you who take it seriously, but have fun while you do it as well. You've got to have I fun, I think it's Carrie, brilliant you know? that Mount Vernon won that challenge for a second time. It just endorses the fact that it is indeed no. one of the top Malbecs in the country. And because yeah. today is sort of, as I say, I think it's my last podcast, we better say Happy Christmas to everybody. Callum, we didn't even have a glass of wine here in the studio to say Happy Christmas. Someone say Happy Christmas with water, John. Hmm? <laughs> Cheers, Carrie, you know, and thank you. I mean, thank you for, for hosting me on invite me onto the show um it's uh, yeah and lovely to see you again i mean it's, it's i know and you now nah, you're gonna you come know, and visit and, me uh, next year in johannesburg i hope oh we miss you aren't you i tell you we, i know i'm gonna come and visit you and when you come up to johannesburg you come and see me we can't uh, only me. meet via riverside in a in a studio that'd be lovely well thank you so well, much thank john you. lots of love thank and you, happy Carrie. christmas thank same you same to you all the best Thank Cheers. Bye-bye.